0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Thank you very much. My name is Russell, and I'm an alcoholic. Mick, thank you very much for inviting me to participate in this uh, wonderful meeting. Forgive me for leaving my post for a moment to use uh, the laboratory. Thank you, Brendan, and thank you to Lena for your shares. How like an al to finish early to afford more time to an alcoholic. Perfect. Thank you very much. Mick, you look lovely. I hope that the court goes well this afternoon. I assume that's what you're wearing a tie for. Good luck. I hope they throw the book at you. Um, (laughs) Not the big book either. (laughs) Um, I'm so grateful to be a member of this fellowship. I'm very grateful to be sharing at your uh, convention there in the Canary Islands. I wish I was there physically, like many people I suspect at this convention. I'm in the UK and it's kind of cold, but as um, the great Mick the Ferret said to me just yesterday, because of uh, this program, we can bring our attention to the things that we are able to do, not the things that we're not able to do. Mick the Ferret, there, forty-five years in, still dispatching wisdom almost, uh, almost automatically. <sighs> Today's um, reading from uh, the twenty-four hours a day book from Hazelden Publishing that I have in um, digital form, you know, says a drinking life, this is today, January the 30th, a drinking life isn't a happy life. Drinking cuts you off from other people and from God. One of the worst things about drinking is the loneliness. One of the best things about AA is the fellowship. Drinking cuts you off from other people, at least from the people who really matter to you, your family, your co-workers and your real friends. No matter how much do you love them, you build up a wall between you and them by your drinking. You're cut off from any real companionship with them. As a result, you're terribly lonely. And then it asks us, in italics, have I gotten rid of my loneliness? I remember my drinking as being very, very lonely. And although I never would have thought it at the time, my drinking was an attempt to manage my feelings. And my feelings are part of my spiritual state. The AA is very... It's very explicit about being a spiritual program. That's what it tells us it is. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And as Sandy Beach, the great um, American uh, member of our fellowship, the fabulous speaker, always points out it's a spiritual condition. Without abstinence, we've got no chance. Without one day at a time, Sober, and in my my case also clean because I had, as well as alcoholism, I had addiction. And like he pointed out, actually, I was listening to a sandy beach um, chair, in somewhat in preparation, knowing that I was speaking today and that it was at the behest of one of um, my great elders. And I know there are many others on this call. I've already seen Mike. Uh, like I like to see that that Mick wears a tie for occasions such as these. Yorkshire Mike wears a Huddersfield FC. Top that's uh, (laughs) and and look at my contribution. This for me is formal, formal where God help us all, God help this fellowship. Um, I was listening, and um, he said that as Sandy shared that even before coming into AA, he was crazy, even without alcohol, he was crazy, and I find the same thing to be true. That for me, One day at a time, I cannot drink or use, and as long as I have this program, I have a choice around that. But I'm still pretty crazy anyway. I'm still pretty crazy. I can cause quite a lot of trouble without alcohol or drugs. I can do myself a great deal of mischief just with a cream cake and this laptop. I was talking to my wife this morning, uh, I wouldn't use the cream cake and the laptop in conjunction just to be clear, those were potential alternative ways that my addiction and alcoholism could manifest, not some sort of cocktail of cream cakes. There he is, that felt, I don't know if any of you have got leaner full frame but there's someone keeps wandering in that door behind her. I imagine possibly part of the reason she's in out of a non, that individual strolling in and out of that door at will <laughs> Um, so we are like me, before I even picked up a drink I was a person that I found life very very difficult, I felt quite lonely as it says in today's reading for 24 hours a day I felt quite afraid I often felt empty and devoid of connection and these things have all been granted to me by this fellowship my drinking and using was probably similar to a lot of you, maybe it was worse than some people, maybe not as bad as some people. Not to cross here, but who knows? Clip Brendan faced consequences that are, certainly sound more severe than the consequences I faced. But my alcoholism meant that my life on a daily basis was um, quite painful and sad and lonely and desperate. And having undertaken the 12 step process. With my sponsor, or indeed sponsors, because I've had a few now, but I love the sponsor that I have. My sponsor is different from me. He's an atheist. I believe very strongly in God. My sponsor's higher power is our collective fellowship and the groups to of which he is a member. And, you know, I love my home group, Hambledon Men's, and I'm sure there's men from that group here. They bloody well better be, because I've someone posted in our group chat that I was sharing. And if no one's shown up, I'll consider that a tremendous slur. But I know that you will have your own relationships with your own home groups that are every bit as important as my home group are to me. And my love for Alcoholics Anonymous is unequivocal, where I feel very, very grateful that in times unblemished by pandemic that I can go anywhere, anywhere in the world. And even in countries where I've not been able to speak the language, a frequency beyond language is evoked. I've heard it said that I have no choice. Either I have to have alcohol or I have to have this 12 step program. I have to have this fellowship today. I'm very privileged to have this 12 step fellowship. I work it in its most as as orthodox as I can, as straightforward as I can. There's still areas in my life where I practice original thought, spontaneity, intuition, and those areas of my life are crazy. In this area of my life, I practice the steps as they are explained to me by people that have walked this path before me, men such as Mick and Brendan, and with I I, I love the fellowship of Al Anon. What alcoholic doesn't? It means we get to keep our life partners. Like, so, like I've got nothing but respect for for Al Anon and and many many fellowships built around the ingenuity of the founders of AA. For me. I I keep it pretty straightforward. I have a sponsor, I have sponsees, I attend meetings, I read the literature, I meditate and I pray. Last, yesterday at the meeting I went to, it talked about the significance of step one, that we continually take step one wherever we need to. I continue to surrender around alcohol and I surrender to around people, places and things. In the original writing, the uh, incomparable big book, it's clear that what Bill W. is talking about is, you know, as it says, ego deflation at large, being willing to relinquish self centeredness. I heard before in an AA meeting in, in America a man say, I'm addicted to myself. It's myself <laughs> that I'm addicted to. And that feels like a kind of paraphrasing to me of that original writing. Addicted to my own will. It's so subtle for me now. You know, look, I've been clean and sober one day at a time for over 18 years now. But I'm still pretty crazy. And I sometimes don't observe the moment that I've moved into my craziness. I can sit in a meeting, whether it's a virtual online one like this or one of the few rare physical meetings that we are able to attend and feel flooded by gratitude and by grace. I find a connection to the thing that I was always looking for in drugs and alcohol, a sense of connection, freedom from my anxieties and my fears. Freedom from the sort of constant torment in notion that I'm not good enough, if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me, that I'm unlovable, that I'm dirty, that I deserve to be alone, that I should be guilty and ashamed. I come to the meeting and I am relieved. I'm relieved of that. I realize that I'm no different from anybody else. doesn't matter if they drank more than me, less than me, went to prison. I didn't go to prison. They're, in fact, in an entirely different fellowship. When people speak authentically and honestly, I feel a connection to them. And I know I can be free by surrendering to this process, by one admitting that i'm powerless by two believing that it's possible to change Three, recognizing that that change won't come from me i have to accept help whether that's help from a higher power of my own understanding or from the collective wisdom of the people that have walked this path before me and i leave the meeting and i often go home i'm a married man today i go home i get onto my knees and i kiss my wife's feet when i get home from meetings i say i love you thank you thank you but i could go out like and to like sort of pick up a takeaway or something like that and if someone cuts me up in traffic like you know heaven forbid they beat their horn but i'll follow them i'd like like, this is me i'm on we're going for it i live still with a madman i live with a madman in my mind and this madman can take control at any time for me the significance of step one if you are new with regard to the unmanageability in addition to the powerlessness, the two terms that I mentioned here is uh, you know if I give the keys of my life over to the madman that I share my head with, I don't know what state my life's going to be in when I get it back again. I might find myself waking up in an institution or maybe just waking up in a puddle. But it probably won't be a pleasant experience based on the stuff that I was taken through in my step one. The number of times I hurt myself, the number of times I hurt other people, the times I ended up in hospitals, the times I ended up in police cells. the number of times I said things that I wish I hadn't, the scars that are on my body to this day because of decisions made while under the influence of drugs and alcohol. I've been like I used to be able to say for a while. It was, it was a golden age, really, that I've never been arrested since I've been clean from drugs and alcohol i have now been arrested a couple of times without drugs and alcohol because uh, sometimes i take my will back sometimes i take my will back i've always thought my alcoholism you know it wasn't really an enemy it was just a not very good friend you know like it felt like it was helping me it felt like it was helping me like when I first, I was fortunate enough to go to the 12-step treatment centre, now closed because of lack of funding. And in that 12-step treatment centre, all they can really teach you is don't <laughs> drink or take drugs one day at a time. And when you get out of here, go to meetings. That's all they can teach you. They take you to meetings while you're there. So they get you in the habit. Go on, get in there, go in there, sit down, right? Now sit quietly. Maybe take a commitment. Make the tea. Don't cause any trouble. Sit down nicely. You know? <sighs> It was sort of sometimes simpler then. I was talking to a person in our fellowship just before, a person like a, who's beautiful. I've really seen change as a result of this um, fellowship member of the home group I go to, and um, you know it's a, it's remarkable the impact this has on people's lives. To see that that our, with our perspective changes, then all reality changes. The spiritual awakening could just be seen, as the great Chuck C used to say, as a, a new pair of glasses, a new way of seeing reality, reality itself. Um, for me now, I try to put every experience I have through the filter of this program. Uh, this is how I try to do it. Um, I try to continually surrender. I try to be of service every day. I try to have commitments and honor those commitments, but there is a sort of tension between it. It's definitely better this life, much better. All of the things that I thought I was going to get from drinking I get by coming here. I get to be who I really am without feeling like I've got to hide myself. I get you know through steps eleven, like you know, step eleven in particular, to actually get out of my head. To not be in my head. Through step twelve, I can get out of my head. Through helping others, through pre-meditation, I can get out of my head. It's not natural for us to, live, for me, to live continually in my own thoughts. I want this. I don't want that. You know, like not just that twelve-step program, but m- most religious ideas talk about if you want to be happy, you've got to get past this idea of you are a person, and I want this, and I don't want that. And now, like the reason I think that this program is like a sort of a sociological and spiritual masterpiece is because it whether it's through the influence of William James and like the the religious revelations that he talks about or the influence of Carl Jung and he's in his uh, correspondence with Bill W making it explicitly clear that what's required is a spiritual experience and then the support of a community that's what's required according to Carl Jung for us you know chronic alcoholics drug users hopeless cases to change is a spiritual experience an awakening this used to be important to me and now i'm able to let go of it you know um, i think we're very 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 lucky and like it says sort of like somewhere in the reading like you know more will be revealed to us it's in the literature it's pretty clear um, and thanks for the the reading earlier whoever did that you know what's it say it says like um There are some people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest. I know some of those people do. I don't think I am that. I don't think I'm constitutionally incapable of being honest. Sometimes I'm a little liar. but I'm not constitutionally incapable of being honest. I can usually be honest after a while. But I think I do have grave emotional and mental difficulties. I do have that. I've got emotional difficulties and mental difficulties. They're quite grave. Um, But what does it say? We stood at the turning point with complete abandon. That's pretty hardcore, complete abandon. I'm not um, disputing that this is about alcohol. And those of you that are counting days and sometimes counting years, not drinking is non-negotiable and it's absolutely integral. But when it says, st- at the turning point of complete abandon, what is this turning point? Is it the present moment? The present moment. I know Sandy Beach talked a lot about that. That's the only place that we can be is the present moment. That's wait, the wait, only- place. all. How much, darling? Five minutes, sir. Five minutes, or oh, we can get a lot into five minutes. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I can do a lot of damage in five minutes. I could probably, I could <laughs> probably ruin my life in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Three or four decisions. <laughs> look at me gesticulating up there like, like a majorette, like a cheerleader. God bless him. Um, look, what I would say is, I've got, if I can get everything I need from this program, and without this program, I don't have nothing. If you are new. It is possible to change. It really is possible to change. There's a, there's a lot of people on, on this call that I love. Shout out to Ian, who I like just met once. And then like next time I saw him, we did a little bit of service, and then Nick in Brixton, I won't tell his story, but like certainly he seemed very familiar with that environment. And like you know, you meet good people here and you get to do good things. You get to learn a new way of life with beautiful people. I suppose what I've had to absolutely surrender to, conceded to my innermost self is that I am alcoholic. I cannot drink ever again. I cannot take drugs. I even have to be careful where I eat food. I have to follow certain rules. It's still in me to be a bit crazy. I still think certain rules don't apply to me. Mostly rules around, you know, how you should drive, where you should park, those kind of rules. But like, uh, when it comes to this program, I do what I'm told. I do what I'm told. If people tell me, this is how you solve this problem. I solve that problem. In a sense, it's magnificent, the possibility. How does someone whose only way of surviving is to drink and take drugs become someone who never <laughs> drinks or takes drugs? Well, certainly, it's it's plain. We admit there's a problem and that our life has become unmanageable. We come to believe it's possible to uh, that, that power of ourselves can restore us to sanity. And we hand our life and our will over to the care of God as we understand God. That third step there, I have to continually work it. What I believe is, is that God can operate through us. But if I get out of the way in my life, I have the opportunity to live beautifully. That doesn't always need to mean I'm doing some real jazzy, sexy, philanthropic, save the world type thing, although I, I wish it always was that. Sometimes it's just nice to do simple things, just to help another person that's, that's like me. You see, the thing is that for those of us that have... Um, spent time around people that are very very chronically ill with this condition you know still drinking still using people that are in institutions whether that's criminal judicial or psychological what you know what they tell people the people that work there those people that do like do jobs and don't get paid enough money you don't know what it's like that's what they tell them that's what they say to the key workers the pro pro, uh, the probation officers you don't know what it's like if you knew what i felt like and what i've been through you'd be the same well what can we say to them we can say to them I do know what it's like. I know exactly what it's like. That's how this thing started. Two alcoholics telling one another, this is what I feel. This is what I did. I didn't even want to do it. I ruined my life. I've hurt all these people. Yeah, I did that. I did that there's a very beautiful film that describes the meeting between uh, Bill W and Dr. Bob it says uh, something passed between us, something passed between us that collectively we have a power that we can never have individually, that the problem that we have will become to be seen as a blessing because it's an awakening, a call to a different life, that all of the things that we ever thought that we wanted they are indeed achievable, maybe not in the way that we thought that we would achieve them but we can feel loved, we can feel useful we don't need to feel alone, ashamed and down and worthless because we have access to a greater power, all we need to do is surrender absolutely and to believe it's possible. And, and if you find those things difficult, and I know I do, people will help you to do it. Very grateful to be part of this meeting. Thank you, Brendan, uh, for your service, and Lena for yours, and Mick. Uh, thank you as always. I'm very honoured to call you a friend. Thank you.